Broadcasting live from an airstream somewhere in Tornado Alley, bringing you the people, places, and stories from the Panhandle to the Red River. This is your Only in Oklahoma show. And welcome to another Oklahoma-tober session of the Only in OK show. I am Harley. I'm Brett. And today we are talking about McAllister, Oklahoma. We've got an interview coming up with Shanna Warner. Yes, great interview. You know, her and I got to shooting it on working in radio. You know, she was a radio DJ for a long time and then radio announcer, reporter, journalist. And now she's doing the, she does the stuff that will scare you, the stuff that'll help you. She does all that stuff. Yeah. But a great interview. (laughs) Um, if you are interested in being scared in downtown McAllister, dang it, I missed an opportunity. I meant to say frighten you and enlighten you. We That's just okay. Did. We just did, basically. We just said that. All right, well, stick around for the interview. Well, if you've ever dreamt of working in a radio station situated over a mass burial ground, uh, well, our next guest has. In fact, she wrote a story about it in her latest book, Ghost Encounters, 13 True Tales of the Supernatural. It's author... Shauna Warner, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, guys. So, you're a radio jock from way back. <laughs> from way back. I was uh, spinning records, literally spinning records before CDs came about. I'd queue up the records and get them ready to go. Wow, so, yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> you know, I, I'll be honest with you. When I got out of radio, I wasn't spinning records. I was spinning hard drives. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot of voice tracking, but... It was a lot of fun. So tell us a little bit yeah. about that. It's radio is a fun industry. I don't know if a lot, of, you know, a lot of the young people don't oh, know yeah. what a radio is. Uh, it's the thing that's situated between the shift and the, the windshield kids. So explain to people, if you don't mind, before we get into the yeah. nitty gritty, queuing up a record. Yeah. So <laughs> there's an art to that. There, there is an art to that. You know, you have two turntables and a microphone. Hey. Literally, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what I had at KTMC. And I worked also at KNED, small town radio in uh, southeastern Oklahoma. You put a record on the record table and you, uh, you know, you have the stylus down and you uh, spin it just enough so that the, the music is about to start. And then you backtrack a little bit. So you've got a little bit of time for the record player to get up to speed before the music starts. And uh, that was queuing up a record. So you'd have several queued up. And I was lucky that I worked in a station that we did we did um, whole albums oh, wow. <laughs> broadcasting where we we would play the entire album. Oh man, um, yeah. That that was fun. You know, you got to hear some really fabulous music. So I was lucky in that regard. Um, and radio is a blast. It oh, truly yeah. is. A lot of fun to do. Well, and to be honest with you, I think it was probably more fun when you were doing it because the reality of the situation was, you know, the FCC, you know, during the day and drive time, they're listening pretty. The you know, you've got the manager, your 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 PD listening. After midnight, we're, we let it rip. You you pull out this the the deep cuts at midnight. That's right. That's right. You know, it, it's a fun, it's a fun profession, but yeah. there's something about evenings weekend oh, yeah. where you have a little more freedom it, it just made it a, a lot of fun a, a lot of characters are in radio too i always tell people it's just like wkrp in cincinnati oh yeah it truly is like that there's there are characters in radio and and then there's just a, a little bit of a more relaxation you know in the evenings the weekends it's a fun time to to be on the air you get to choose some of your own music too that you can play you can choose what you want 
That may have been the case back in the day. I never worked in radio, but I did spend a lot of time at the studio when Brett did. (laughs) And Borefest. It was boring. There's nobody there ever. Yeah, chicks weren't banging on the window with your shirts up asking for, you know, tickets to see Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, it's, uh, I tell people it's, you don't get into radio. Uh, you don't get into radio because you like music these days. You get into it because you like the sound of your own voice. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you were talking uh-huh. about, but kind of leading into where we're headed, there is something about nights and weekends at a radio station. Not only do you have the freedom, but there's just there's a there's a certain vibe that you can't get away from. There really is. There's but- just it's a different soul. There's a different spirit to it. Uh, you know, you're absolutely right. I think that's probably something that people experience in theaters, you know, when uh, the cast and crew is gone and there's just a stagehand. It happens in uh, television stations. It happens in radio stations. There's yeah. just some vibe that happens when all the people are gone and the hustle and bustle calms down and you're there by yourself. And often, you know, in radio, in the olden days, in radio... You're there by, you are by yourself. You're the only person broadcasting, you know, your six hour mm-hmm. shift or overnights or whatever. You're there by yourself. Um, and, and that lends itself to, uh, lots of coffee mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, little glimpses of things out of the corner of your eyes. Like, did I see that? You know, what did I see? I think that's pretty common to people that yeah. uh, work alone and something about nighttime, you know, you see shadows, you see stuff, but sometimes the shadows turn out to be more than just a figment, you know, just a little flex from the corner of your eye. It turns out to be something. And that, you know, that really happened to me. You were a DJ at the time. The, um, yep. And uh, this was at a local radio station in McAllister, KTMC. Yeah. Is that radio station still around? It is. Uh, KTMC at the time, there were um, two, I think, FMs, two AMs, and KTMC was, I think probably one of the oldest stations in that region in southeastern Oklahoma. It is still operational now, um, but I think that there's a conglomerate that kind of bought up all the radio stations. They were all independent, mm. uh, you know, when I was when I was in radio. So, and the the station operated. Not only was it an old station, it had been around for a long time. It was actually in a very old building. Mm. And on top of that, it was in an old part of McAllister. And McAllister, you know, is not a young town anyway, but it was on the old, in the old part of town. So it was, um, kind of creepy just to drive up there, you know, at night to, to get to the radio station. I want to tell you this. One of the things that I made sure when I did my, uh, you know, late shift is I made sure and kept all the doors locked. You know, there was a front door <laughs> yeah. and there was a back door. And we had a doorbell and I would, I was dating a, a, a DJ at the time. We mm-hmm. eventually got married. You know, I, I kept it locked. Only if somebody was bringing me pizza, you know, would I right. unlock the door. You know, there you go. So I, I made sure to try to stay safe because, you know, people like to come in and drop in on a radio station sometimes. Yes. Some of the funniest stuff would happen. You know, they hear this, this voice and they're attracted to the voice, but. Mm-hmm. You know, the voice doesn't always match the the person. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny you say that. I spent a lot of time uh, being kind of a student of radio, growing up around uh, radio personalities. And when the internet came out, 
I was like, I want to see what these people look like. I'm like, wow, you do have, there is a, Sean, am I wrong? I mean, there's, there's a reason there's a term that's called a face for radio. That's right. You are absolutely right. I'm an eight five on a microphone under the, with good sound, sound and, and bad lighting. I'm probably a four five, uh, in the line at the supermarket, but you know, the thing about it is, the one thing that kept me going at night is adrenaline. Because again, you're on your toes. At least I was yeah. anyway. I, I don't remember drinking a lot of coffee at night. I was just, just kind of like always on alert. So yeah. you talk about having weird occurrences. Like I said, I never had anybody at yeah. midnight show up wanting a pair of their heart tickets, which that was, that turned out to be right. the hottest item that I'd, I'd ever <laughs> given away was a pair of the heart tickets, which tells you where we are as a society and where radio is as a market. But again, you said sometimes those things that you don't want to come in, come in. So tell us about the time you had a chance encounter. Well, you know, we, um, one of the cool things at the radio station that we did was something called a swap shop or Mm -hmm. trading post. Different little rural stations would do that. People would call in and say, I've got a tractor for sale or, I've got some chickens or whatever. We'd keep a list. And so in the, in the evening, there were times that people would stop in on the weekend and say, hey, can I get the list, you know, from Swamp Shop? You know, what what's for sale? So it, it did happen periodically that someone would come to the door. But typically they didn't come to the door at, you know, at midnight. So one evening I was sitting in in the studio and I was on air. And where I was in the sound booth, I could look out across um, the front office. It was all glass, and I could look out to the front of the building, which was also glass, big glass picture windows. So that way I could see someone if they did walk up to the door to ring the doorbell. You know, I could see them before they got to the door. And I saw someone walking up towards the door, and I thought, wow, you know, uh, as far as it was pretty late at night, and I thought, well, I don't have anyone that I know that's coming by. I wonder what's up with this dude. It was a guy, and he looked pretty scruffy. He looked pretty, pretty dirty. Um, you know, like he'd been working hard, and he had a a hat on, and it looked like there was a light on it. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird, but kind of cool too. I guess if you're walking around at night, you know, it's close to getting close to midnight. I guess it makes sense to wear a light on your mm-hmm. hat. Then, and then the doorbell did not ring. But, you know, I was busy. I was in the middle. There was a break, and I had to do some commercials, and I had to, you know, get ready for the top of the hour and news and all the all the little things that you have to do. Right. So after a couple of minutes, I realized, well, you know, hey, the guy didn't ring the doorbell, so maybe he changed his mind or he walked on by, whatever. You know, I, I didn't think much more about it. Then a couple of minutes later, probably the next break or so, I'm sitting again, you know, in the sound booth. I'm, I'm doing my thing, playing some Johnny Cash probably at the time. That was, if I got to choose the music, I was working, you know, country radio. If I chose, I was going to play old, old country. There's nothing wrong and with Johnny Cash. Not at all. Exactly. Unless so a man I'm, in black shows up at your radio station <laughs> at midnight right, without a right. guitar. Exactly. And, and so that's sort of what happened. Although he wasn't in black, he was oh. actually wearing what looked like kind of a rust-colored shirt and definitely had a hat on. And this time he was in the building. Oh, my. So the back of the building, yeah, it freaked me out. I mean, it truly did. 
at the back of our building, there was, you know, the, the exterior door where people would go to have their smoke break. I always made sure that was locked, too. Mm-hmm. And this this person, thing, whatever, I couldn't see their feet. I couldn't see if they had feet. I saw it, you know, going across, like going back towards basically the, the break room at the back. And I thought, oh, okay, that is supremely weird because not only did I see more of it, um, it does have a hat on and it's got a light on its hat. And I thought that is supremely weird. And I looked around the station and I thought, where's the baseball bat? And sure enough, there was one, thankfully, because some of my coworkers, you know, be prepared. And, um, at the next break, I took the bat and I walked through the station. It was a pretty small station and there was no one there. The doors were locked. And of course that was supremely weird. And I thought, well, now, you know, did I have too much coffee? Did I have not enough coffee? Mm-hmm. You know, what is this? Am I hallucinating? You know, what's going on? So as my coworker was coming in, he was going to take over the, the overnight shift, you know, from midnight to 6 a.m. I just asked him, I said, Hey, you know, have you, uh, ever seen anything creepy in the station? You know, have you ever seen anything weird? And uh, he said, oh, yeah. You know, why do you think I have this baseball bat? I said, well, thanks. I appreciate it. So I told him what I'd seen. He said, oh, okay. So listen, when you leave, you can drive up the street. I think the road was A. Drive up the street about 100 feet, and you'll see a plaque. And it's a memorial for a mine explosion. It was the Old Town Coal Mine Memorial. He said there was a mine right underneath our feet. And, you know, about 1929 or so, a whole bunch of people died right below us, miners. He says, but if I were you, I wouldn't do it at night. I'd wait till the daytime and go up there and and see this memorial. And so I did. And and that, that terrified me because what I saw was a, a man that was Dirty, uh, grubby, had been working a long time. He was covered. Um, he had on a dark shirt. He had on, well, I couldn't see his legs. I don't know what kind of boots he had on. He had dungarees of some sort. And he had a hat that had a light mm-hmm. like a coal miner would use. So that pretty much scared the bejeebers out of me. And I uh, started talking to other people in the radio station, just sort of, you know, how do you broach the subject to your coworkers? Right. You go, hey. Have you ever seen a miner in in a station? And it turns out that almost everyone at the station can tell you the same story. But yet, it's just they didn't talk about it because it's kind of hard to talk about. Did you see a ghost? Is it a ghost? What was it? But everyone had sort of the same story that, yes, they had seen something. And if they hadn't seen something, they felt something. They felt like something was there, something watching them, something, you know, they heard footsteps. Everyone had a story. So I started doing research and it turned out that, you know, that mine had been uh, a huge coal mine there in McAllister and it had blown up um, and so many men died. And there were probably, there were over 60 men that died in that mine. It happened right before Christmas, I think in 1929. And they, they were killed right below my feet. Wow. So, it was uh, it was pretty shocking. Although one of the, the the touching parts about it is that the uh, the miners themselves, when when they recovered all the bodies, they were all placed in a um, like a mass grave. 
And that mass grave is in McAllister, and it's on it's one of the national historical sites. Hmm. It's a registered historical site. So that that's the story. It was pretty creepy. It's not the only creepy you know situation I've been in, but that one was was quite striking because it it helps when other people have that same experience too. They've seen it too. They've heard it. They've felt it. That makes it a little more real, which can make it a little more scary. So one of the things <laughs> about the Bolin mine disaster that that I find a little odd is <laughs> the number of people that they found. Uh, so there were four bodies never found at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there were, I think, 17 bodies that were unidentified. I'm a mm. little, a little confused as to how mm-hmm. if you, if you're employing miners, yeah. uh, that they're coming to work every day that you can't tell. Yeah. You don't have who. a roll sheet. <laughs> right. Well, you know, if you think about it, you know, Southeast Oklahoma was, there were so many coal mines and there were so many immigrants, mm-hmm. you know, Italian, uh, Polish, Mexican, a lot of immigrants in, in southeastern Oklahoma from Wilberton, you know, up through McAllister. There were a lot of people that didn't speak English. And, mm-hmm. you know, so there, there was a lot of things lost in translation. Right. So it could be quite easy for them not to know how many people were, um, you know, exactly who was there, who wasn't there. That could happen. But I, I do know that there were quite a few sets of like brothers that all worked in the mine together and they all passed away together. And oh, wow. um, yeah, one, one of the, one of the other things too is that in that, in that era, there was no, there was no safety net financially for the widows and the children. So imagine you're in this country, you've come here for a better life. Your partner, your husband dies and you have nothing. You have nothing to help you. And it turns out that Will Rogers did a, a couple of benefits for the, the widows and the children, um, to help raise money throughout the nation to help these families. It just goes back to that whole Oklahoma spirit where people help each other. Yeah. They step up, you know, step up when there's a tragedy. And that's what happened with the, the miners' families. So the you know when you you talk about a lot of these families came they were they were immigrants probably if they didn't have they had family maybe with them what more mm-hmm. what more reason for them to kind of if you're one of those people that have a theory that 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 lost souls kind of roam the earth what mm-hmm. I mean that fits the the I mean that fits the mold right there yeah yeah it does and and you know something else that that you hear pretty often with uh, people that deal with the paranormal is mm. that if if someone passes away unexpectedly, it's a, a a big shock, you know, that they're gone in, in an accident like this, that they're more likely to haunt a place um, <laughs> because they don't know that they've passed over. They don't know right. that they're, they, they don't know they're dead. And whenever I go back to McAllister and I still have family in Southeastern Oklahoma, Whenever I go back, I try to to go by that mine, um, the the plaque, and um, on the back of the book itself, I have a picture of me standing next to the memorial plaque for the Bowen Mine because I just try to go pay respects because if this person showed up in my radio station, he never tried to speak to me, but if mm-hmm. he showed up there, then I want to at least say hi. I recognize, you know. 
I honor you. You know, thank you for coming to this country. Thank you for trying to do what you needed to do. Sorry it turned out so bad for you. And you know, I just try to honor that spirit. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a sad thing, but you know, I wonder if he still shows up in that radio station because the building is still there. Right. So the radio station is not in the building, but the right. building is still there. So let me ask you this. You know, yeah. having that be. You, you know, once you reach out to colleagues, everybody had a story to tell. Did it end there, or was it something that continued to happen? And it, once you kind of made peace with it, it was just kind of part of the background, or what happened next? I, you know, that is a great question, and I don't know the answer because I left southeastern Oklahoma, and my husband, you know, the DJ I was dating, he and mm. I married, and we left southeastern Oklahoma. So I don't know what happened in that radio station. And not long afterwards, the the station moved from that facility. So the building wasn't used as a station anymore. It's in it's in disrepair. Wow. And you know, I wonder. I mean, you know, if a tree falls in the forest, does anyone hear it? You know, absolutely. If, if, yeah. If the ghost, if someone's haunting that, you know, no one's there to see them. You know, ah, who knows? To me, I, I feel know. I feel like the, the way most hauntings are described. I likened it to in it kind of in a way, pun intended, spirits mm-hmm. are kind of like living this broken record where they mm-hmm. they walk the same path you know what I mean? They Yeah. They're not gonna it's not like Ghostbusters when they turn and look at you and like Wah! you know what I mean? They kinda walk, walk the right. same you know, does that make sense? It does make sense. It makes you wonder it's it's like a it's like a record. Right. That, you know, just keeps spinning. So is that what's happening? You know, is this ghost there? As a matter of fact, I I've decided that the next time I get back down into that mm-hmm. part of the state, I'm going to go by and just walk around the outside of the station and just say hello mm-hmm. and see if I see anything, you know, see if anything happens or if I feel like, you know, someone's there. I'm just going to go check it out, take a flashlight, EMF, you know, thing and, and just see because maybe, maybe that's part of it. They're stuck. I'll tell you maybe what. Maybe they need to go. In a hundred years, when they decide to close down Big Mac and release all the prisoners into the wild, I bet that would be one hell of a place to to go and lock yourself in cell block D and write a book. Seriously, you know, am I wrong? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right. I'm not going to do it. No way. I'm telling you, I don't think you know. You think of places yeah. like that, like East Central uh, Penitentiary and places yeah. like that, or yep. Eastern uh, Eastern State Penitentiary and things like that. Yeah. I, that's another place. You know, I think McAllister. When most people in my neck of the woods think McAllister, they think of the they prison. Think of Big Mac. Yeah, yeah, automatically. And I, to me, that that's just got to be like a hotbed for activity. I, I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. I think anytime there's a lot of intense. Emotion, intense energy. Right. Then I, I yeah, I, I think you're right. You know that that could be something. I'm not going to go do that personally, but help yourself. Go for it. You wrote a book. Enjoy. You don't want you don't want the next book to be 14 true tales of the supernatural. <laughs> hey, let me tell you, I wrote this book mainly because I had I would sit with my brother and my son and my hubby, and we mm-hmm. would just we just tell stories. You know, because I think people lost that storytelling mm-hmm. thing you know before television there was radio people sat around and listened to oh, the yeah. radio listened to stories before the radio guess what they sat around their campfire sat around after dinner and told stories yeah you know my son was going mom you know you need to write these stories down you need to tell these stories 
Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my homage to, you know, hey, long time ago, we used to sit around and tell stories. And when you start listening to people and actually open up and say, have you ever had something weird happen like this? You'll find that a lot of people do. We just don't like to admit it because yeah. nobody wants to say, hey, you know, I saw a ghost. It's kind of, um, you know, not everybody wants to admit that. Oh, it's, tab- it's me, so taboo. It's almost taboo yeah, still. It, can be. it is. And, you know, in, in the book, I actually tell other stories about, you know, this ghost seemed to be quite harmless, but it's not always that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there are things that, you know, my my grandmother, who was from Ireland, told me a story about a demon that showed up in her home. And um, I, I wrote that story, you know, in the book because it's not all Casper the Friendly Ghost and everything's happy and can't we all just get along. It's not always that way. Sometimes there are some very negative energies that people experience. So there you go. Sometimes ghosts <laughs> follow you around in your right in your car and keep coming on the radio. And then sometimes <laughs> the ghost ends up being old man Crabtree, and he could would have gotten away with it if it hadn't been for those damn meddling kids and a. That's you know. right. I'll tell you what. I keep sage in my house. I don't know if it really does anything, but I burn it periodically. I'll just go, hey, I want only positive energy in my house, so mm-hmm. just go away if there's something negative. Just to make sure, because I don't want something following me home. I, right. I don't want a ghost to just you know, pop up in my house, although they have. It's happened, but I, I don't want that to happen, so I, I try to protect myself. It's awful, but I think you know I have to protect myself from ghosts because there are, I think, just as in real life, in the living, there are awful people and there are great people. Well, it stands to reason that if they die, there could be awful ghosts and there could be great ghosts. Absolutely. So, you know, just trying to protect myself at all times. Well, and they all deserve their story uh, to be told with respect and to have yeah. dignity. And again, you know, we talk about it on this show a lot to people that tell stories uh and that are purveyors of stories i mean hell even harley and i are consider ourselves storytellers not good ones uh but we do de- we do deliver the message the best way we can um that the storytellers are they're uh, they're dying out we're not we're not yeah. we're not recording history anymore we're literally mm-hmm. recording it but it's not the history that uh it's not the history i don't i want to be remembered for so, Shauna, yeah. question. You know, you've got you've got this book coming out. How can people mm-hmm. get in touch with you? How can they get your books? I said books. Right, right, because I have several. Oh, I've several. got a, a new book coming out in November, and I've got a, another book coming out in in uh, January. So, absolutely. I um, I blog on my website. It's shaunawarner.com, and... Um, all of my books are available in print and in ebook and in audiobook, which, by the way, was one of the most fun things I've ever done. It was recording the ghost books to put them up in audio. That, that was a blast because I got to actually imagine myself sitting with strangers, you know, mm-hmm. around a campfire telling them spooky stories. So all of them are available on Amazon, on Smashwords, and on Soundwise. Those are all my platforms where I put my books, but everybody can find links to them on shaunawarner.com. And Shauna is S-H-A-N-N-A because nobody is going to get that right. No one will. Yeah, I know. I tell my parents they spelled it wrong. It looks like Shanna, but it's Shauna. 
And people can reach out to me if they have a ghost story they want to reach out on my website. They can send me a little email and say, hey, you know, here's the story because I have more ghost stories and I may write a second book and just collect them together. Um, I may just go ahead and do that because there are people that walk up to me now and tell me their spooky story and I love it. So they can send me an email and tell me their story too. That's awesome. So Shauna, before we let you go, I do want to ask you about another form of writing that you do that does mm-hmm. not, it, it actually all of your work seems a little um, incongruent. Is that the word I'm looking for? Right. So, so you, <laughs> you do a, a free health and wellness magazine that people around the state may, may recognize as soon as I saw it, I did. Uh, the Natural Sorry. Awakings, Oklahoma, you uh, write that with you and your husband, is that correct? That's right. We're the publishers and the owners of Natural Awakenings, Oklahoma. It's a holistic health and wellness magazine, and it's a it's a national magazine. And Mark and I are into, um, once you hit 50, I'll just say it this way, then everything starts heading south. It's like, oh my gosh, you know. It's time to, we need to finally get serious. Let's eat some more vegetables. Let's, uh, you know, let's do some more stuff. We want to prolong mm-hmm. our time on this earth. We don't want to be ghosts anytime soon. Right. So we, we decided we wanted to be a part of Natural Awakenings. And so we decided to bring it to Oklahoma. It's a national magazine. We just write local stories about, you know, providers, everything from yoga to meditation to eat your veggies to naturopathic doctors, chiropractic. Anything that's about holistic health and wellness, we put that in the magazine. And it is free. It's uh, it's free for anyone to read. We do all sorts of things uh, with the magazine, from health conferences to all sorts of stuff. Our advertisers pay so that our readers can have it for free. And it's naoklahoma.com, which stands for Natural Awakening. And wow. it can be found at every health food store in the state. <laughs> but not... Well, but not at the Blue Cross Blue Shield offices. Uh, they don't want anything to do with homeopathic right. medicines. Right. We're, we, have, we have about 600 distribution points, mainly in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Right. We're in the two big metro areas. But if someone wants the magazine, we can actually mail it to them. Or they, All of the articles in the magazine in print are also on the website. And so we just want to make that content available to everyone throughout Oklahoma because we truly, we've seen the statistics about Oklahoma being Mm -hmm. in the bottom rungs of health outcomes. And if somebody can do something simple as in walk 10 minutes a day or eat some more carrots, something, some little change that can make their life better, well, then Mark and I want to be a part of that. And that's why we brought, you know, the magazine, um, the magazine to Oklahoma. I literally have <laughs> a copy of yeah. your magazine in my hand. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Turn that to the back. This is Holistic Pet? It's an yeah, advertisement for Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, hey, listen. I, I I have a podcast with with the magazine. So on our website, naoklahoma.com, you can go uh, at the top. There's a little tab for the podcast. So I, I record on Anchor, which is, you know, my podcast platform. I did an interview recently with um, – with one of our vets, a holistic vet, she does acupuncture and chiropractic on dogs. And she talked about doing acupuncture, do, doing chiropractic on a porcupine. Oh. So it was, it's just one of the most fun podcasts I've 
It was so much fun. So uh, people should go check wow. that one out. It was a blast. So chiropractic on a porcupine, which means acupuncture on you at the same time, <laughs> right? It's like this yin and yang. So from natural awakenings to paranormal phenomenon, you're covering all yeah. the bases before yeah. we die and after we die. Shauna, wow, you've got a lot of things, a lot of a lot of ground to cover between here, the netherworld, and uh, <laughs> it just seems like that's the sky's right. the limit. That's right. For the living and the dead. For the living and the dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shauna, again, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to get on here. And like I said before, anytime I have a chance to talk to an old jock, uh, yeah, you know, we... Talking about the old days. Well, yep. no, no, no. I'm only 43. Let's be realistic. Um, <laughs> I know I'm one of the few that know who a re- what a record is. I may have to explain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have a little tutorial on what albums are. But no, we really right. appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Uh, it's been a total blast. McAllister is on the creep list for Oklahoma. And if you're a hardened criminal facing life in prison, uh, you can go out there and live in Big Mac prison. I don't, I don't know that you get to choose your... <laughs> you don't. You don't get to choose. It's funny. A lot of people that commit crimes here end up in Texas. Really? Uh, Joe Exotic, for for starters. You know, he was in the he was in Grady County Jail for a while, and they shipped him off to Texas. Doesn't matter. I, I wonder how that... I just want to know how that works. I have no idea. Maybe, well, maybe we sold him. Tell you what, if you know how, if you know how I can commit a crime and stay in an Oklahoma prison, please let us know. More importantly, if you find yourself in a prison cell next to Joe Exotic and you're talking about him, yeah, tell him that you heard about him on the Only an OK Show. Right. Well, this has been the Only an OK Show. I'm Brett and I'm Harley, and we're out of here. Peace. Old Town Haunting, sing this song. Do da, do da. Old Town Haunting, sing this song. Go to do da day. Three, two. Old Town Haunting. Yeah. All right, you ready? See. Three, two, one. And welcome to the show. We're headed to the town that Pete's built. I'm not going to do that. Three, two, one. And welcome to the show. More of the Oklahoma Spooktacular is just around the corner. No, because we're here. We've already been around the corner. Three, two, one.